Welcome to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small, your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Brought to you by LakeLink, your online fishing resource at lake-link.com. Outdoors Radio is also brought to you by Ducks Unlimited. Find out about their upcoming DU Expo at duckexpo.com. And by the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources Hunter Education Program, dnr.wi.gov. I'm Dan Small. Today we'll get some advice for next weekend's youth turkey hunt. Retired DNR wildlife technician Jeff Wilson returns to tell us a story from his new book, Wrong Tree. And we'll learn about this year's great Wisconsin Birdathon, which starts next weekend. All that and more coming up on Outdoors Radio, so stay right there. It's time now for Madison Outdoors, and you hear this feature every week at this time on Fox Sports 1070 AM, and you can hear it 24-7, 365 on our podcast, which you can get on LakeLink, iHeartRadio, or OutdoorNews.com. And joining us now is Pat Hasberg, proprietor of DNS Bait Tackle and Fly Shop on Northport Drive in Madison. His website is dsbait.com, and you'll find links there to his Facebook page and other social media accounts and his weekly fishing report, which he updates every Friday morning. Well, Pat, thanks for joining us, and welcome back. Hey, always a pleasure, Dan. Well, things have changed as they tend to do this time of year. Ice pretty much gone everywhere, and people are starting to fish. What are you seeing on the Madison chain? Well, yeah, you're right. We actually just today I posted uh, that the ice is officially declared off of Lake Mendota, which was the last lake on the chain to go. Open water is here, and folks I know are anxious to get out. And, you know, the water's a little cold. Things need to warm up a little bit before the fish get in the mood. But people are getting fish around town. It's a good crappie bite. And, of course, folks heading to the river, too, to get into some of the walleyes. So still a lot of good fishing opportunities out there. Yeah, there certainly is. And I listen to your fishing report, as I always do, before we talk. And you mentioned the end of the license season, which we've talked about, too, on the show. That was the end of March, so anyone fishing now or getting ready for turkey hunting obviously has to have a 2023 license. That's right, and that's been one of the most popular things, driving folks into the shop, is renewing their license and getting ready, getting lines pulled on, getting just getting ready for the season. You know, it's going to warm up here soon, and, and folks are anxious to get out on the water. Now, up and down the chain, you've been talking about panfish action because right now it's panfish only, although you can fish for bass as long as it's catch and release, right? That's right, yep. Early catch and release bass season is open, but yeah, otherwise it's mostly a panfish game. Some some folks chasing catfish out there, too. Any serious catfish reports yet? Nothing yet. I've heard about a few folks getting them, but not like it will be here in probably a week or so. We're right on the cusp of that water just being a little cold right now, but once we start getting the sun beating down and, you know, now that all the ice is off uh, things and the snow is melted, things really should start to, uh, I guess, quite literally heat up. Yeah. And where are people getting the panfish? Well, they've been right, on, right here on the north side, up near the 113 Bridge. There's a little channel that comes through there connecting Lake Mendota, the Cherokee Lake. Yep. And it's a great area where a lot of fish move through, either heading up into spawning areas or moving out. And So uh, the 113 Bridge has been good for some crappies and some folks getting some walleyes in there. But, of course, that's not what you're targeting this time of year. That's also a great spot for catfish. But the best panfish bite around town here has been down on the triangles and Monona Bay right downtown there. Some folks getting some great crappies down there right now. And what are they getting them on? Uh, mostly 
on plastics, actually. Plastic, uh, little minnow imitations, or minnows, live minnows themselves. The plastic option is uh, always very popular this time of year, usually a little chartreuse sculpt in the one-inch size, or some Bobby Garland plastics. I sell a lot of different options for folks here at the shop, and all of them have been working really great lately. I know plastics are really popular for ice fishing for crappies, but I thought most people tended to switch to minnows once the ice is off, but that's not the case, huh? Well, I mean, minnows are a very popular option, but the plastics don't die on you in the minnow bucket. You don't have to (laughs) fill them in your car or anything like that. Folks like those, and they seem to work, you know, just as well, especially if there's just a little chop on the water and that bobber moves and moves that minnow up and down, just flutters the tail a little bit, can be um, just as effective and maybe even sometimes more for crappies. Uh huh. Now, are people targeting bass this time of year, or is it just kind of incidental? Right now, it's the water's just a little cool, but, you know, out here on Mendota, as soon as that water hits 40 degrees, those bass will start chasing lures, and, you know, a, a chatterbait is a really popular lure this time of year, or, or uh, ned rigs, any, anything that's small and kind of subtle that moves through the water. Fish generally, uh, especially bass, and especially the smallmouth, are, are chasing those lures pretty early. Uh-huh. Now, you reported also on the river action. Of course, the Wisconsin and Mississippi rivers are open year-round for walleye, so people who want to target walleyes can do that, and that action is pretty good already, isn't it? That's right. The last few weeks, it's been a lot of short fish, so, you know, just under the size limit there, a lot of males that have been stacking up at the local dams, but... I just heard in the last couple of days, it sounded like this last weekend and the last couple of days here, some of the larger females have started to move in, and as that water temperature warms up between like 40, 45 degrees, that's when uh, that spawn really gets into full effect. The larger fish are, are starting to show up. And I have some friends who are fishing for perch on the Mississippi and doing all right as well. I imagine that's going to continue for a while. They seem to be pretty fat fish. They, they're pre-spawn, of course. That's right. Yeah, I've seen some folks come in um, showing photos and heading over there to DeSoto Bay and Genoa and that, doing very well. It's a world-class perch fishery over there, just some real jumbo fish. A guy was in here showed me a picture of a 15-inch perch weighed 2.4 pounds. Oh, my. Uh, just a giant. So it, it looked like a, more like a walleye than it did a perch. Yeah, but, uh, a fat walleye. Yeah, it's a great time of year. <laughs> great time of year to be targeting those fish. So. It's, it certainly is. And then steelhead action up and down the Lake Michigan shoreline is pretty good, too. That's right. Steelhead are pushing up. Uh, we had, you know, a, a big rain event uh, a couple of weeks ago that pushed a bunch of initial fish in. And then with the snow and the melt that we had recently, and I'm sure this rain we're getting now is going to move even more fish up. But folks are reporting good uh, action on the steelhead and on all the trips up and down the whole east coast over there. Now, you talked about selling out of your plastic beads for steelhead that's a very popular technique in Alaska. Um, I haven't seen many people on the Lake Michigan streams using beads, but then I haven't been over there and fishing steelhead in, in a number of years. So that's really caught on, I guess. That's right. It's a very popular technique. I've recently kind of adopted that myself and, and done pretty well. It's a interesting way to break away from the traditional flies and get something that looks very realistic down to those fish. The way we fished them in Alaska, the guides actually pegged the bead about an inch and a half or two above a single hook. Are you doing that, or you got the bead right down by the hook? It's the same deal. It's about an inch and a half or two inches, and you just leave a, a little hook. Usually, I, I use like a, a little, like a 
size 10 circle hook. Yep. That way you're not snagging fish. And when, it, when you do get them in the mouth, it's generally right in the corner of the mouth. So it's a nice, safe release for those fish and holds onto them really well. And a single bead, right? And a single bead, yep. Yep. And, you know, the colors can vary. Folks, some folks run just kind of your natural orangish colors, pink, you know, and, and when the water's a little cloudy, moving to something like a chartreuse or a glow bead can work really well. Other folks swear by kind of off colors like purple. Yeah. You know? So anything and everything as far as the colors go, if the fish are in the mood, they're going to grab the egg. Yeah. Well, in trout fishing, you've been out, I know, uh, at least a couple times, haven't you? Yeah, I've been out a few times. My son and I ran into a nice midge hatch the other day. Midges are of the mosquito family, the tiny little bugs. They're most common, I'd say, this time of year for hatches as far as trout go. Tiny, tiny little flies, but uh, the trout key in on them, and we did well. We got fish on midges, but also on blue-winged olives, so tiny blue-winged olive patterns are also working really well this time of year. Cool. Well, and you've got a seminar series that starts real soon. April 20th, we're kicking off our spring seminar series. We do those every Thursday at 7 p.m. here at the shop. It's free to anybody that wants to come down. On April 20th, we have Austin Rogatsky coming in. He's going to be talking about walleyes on hair. He's a big fan of using walleye flies and hair jigs for walleyes. So he'll be talking about that. On the 27th, we have Ron Bearfield coming in to talk about Wisconsin River techniques, kind of outside the box stuff that he likes to use that, uh, you know, maybe bass techniques that are good for walleyes and uh, other things that people might not think about when targeting spring walleye. And then on May 4th, we have Noah Humfeld coming in. He's going to be talking about tactics for the opener, which is going to be just a couple days from then. So it's a great lineup and some great speakers. Those, those are always uh, really well attended here at the shop. All right. Well, Pat, thanks so much. We will talk to you again soon. And uh, folks, stop into the shop there. He's got information. He's got all the tackle and flies you need, uh, whatever you're fishing for. So uh, I always appreciate your reports. Thank you. I always appreciate being on, Dan. It's always a pleasure. You bet. Pat Hasberg, proprietor of DNS Bait Tackle and Fly Shop on Northport Drive in Madison. Find him on the web at dsbait.com and links to his Facebook page. You'll find his weekly fishing report on Facebook as well. He posts that every Friday morning. I'm Dan Small. You are listening to Outdoors Radio. Step outside, let us be your guide. Florence County, Wisconsin. Are you looking for that perfect Northwoods destination for outdoor recreation? Florence County has over 200,000 acres of uncrowded public land with 160 plus miles of beautiful ATV UTV trails, many lakes and rivers to fish or paddle, seven wild river waterfalls to explore, horse trails with campgrounds, and friendly bars and restaurants. Go to exploreflorencecounty.com and plan your trip today. If you're ever in a motor vehicle accident, call Hupe and Abraham, named Best Personal Injury Law Firm by the Wisconsin Law Journal year after year. The firm of Hupe and Abraham has collected more than a billion dollars for its clients. In fact, they collect millions of dollars every month for hundreds of satisfied clients. Call the firm Voted Best and Rated Best, Hupe and Abraham, 800-800-5678, or visit hupe.com. And all 11 offices of Hupe and Abraham in Wisconsin, Iowa, and Illinois are open for business. And the firm of Hupe and Abraham has paid thousands of dollars in rewards to help solve crimes in the Milwaukee area. Michael Hupe is the president of Milwaukee Crime Stoppers, and he's offering a $25,000 reward for the next anonymous tip that solves a homicide case. So if you've got a tip on an unsolved homicide case, visit MilwaukeeCrimeStoppers.com. 
Well, joining me from Wisconsin Rapids, Jeff Kelm. Well, Jeff, gosh, spring break is over. Have a chance to do any fishing? Uh, yeah, a little bit of fishing on the Wisconsin River, uh, just as the water was coming up after the last set of uh, rain and, and uh, finally getting some melt off, uh, some runoff from, from the North Country into the system. And, you know, water temps are still very cold at that time. I think the highest we saw as we got off the water was 35.9. Oh um, so, yeah, definitely <laughs> cold yet at that time. But um, you, you could just kind of feel like the river's about to, you know, break loose as far as uh, fishing. We caught a mess of fish, um, just a simple jig and a minnow and finding some of the eddies. Uh, below uh, below Nakusa there, um, just uh, above Petenwell. We did run uh, up to the mouth of the lake, and it seemed like a lot of fish had already pushed forward into the river. Uh, most of the fish we caught were males in that 15 to 16-inch range. In fact, uh, you know, that, that slot limit, you can't keep anything under 15 or, or uh, you know, and only one over 28. Uh, and so... Uh, we we caught all but one of our fish it was actually right in the keeper range, right between that wow. 15 and 20 inches. It was That's neat to perfect. see. A lot of times you catch, you know, you might catch a bunch of males, but they're all that 14 to 14 and a half. So it was yeah, kind of neat yeah. to be able to catch those fish in that keeper range. Yeah, or on the 12 side of 14. You know? Yes, yes, absolutely, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh well, that's good. So you got some walleye fillets then. Yeah, absolutely. It was it was it was fun to do. Uh, you know, I don't get a chance to go out too often, uh, even though the river's just a few minutes away from my house. Uh, so it was great to be able to shake down some equipment. Uh, went out with my buddy Todd, you know, and he's uh, yep. he's oh. a fishing guide in the summertime, and uh, he had the boat out, and you know, I, <laughs> I he asks me just about every year, just about the last no, oh, I'd say five six years, I've gone out with him on his very first trip onto the water. And much of that trip is spent making sure that everything still works, you know, Does it work? electronics yeah. and all that. And so uh, I spent a lot of time just kind of hanging out in the passenger seat until everything works, and then we go fishing for a while. This time around, we did have a few equipment issues, so he was de- dealing with that as I was catching fish. I was okay yeah. with that. I really was. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, speaking of boats, I'm picking up my Crestliner Fishhawk 1750 from Cedar Lake Sales. On probably Tuesday of this coming week, so I will have it for opening day and maybe even a little river fishing before then, although no specific plans yet. I'm looking forward to getting that boat and having it uh, fill up a parking spot in the yard. As you know, I don't have a lot of spots, but we've got four vehicles there, a trailer, and um, maybe a a UTV coming back in a boat. It kind of looks like a I use car a lot. <laughs> Fills up quick, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. Well, and you you are getting ready for honey season, aren't you? Yeah, honey, I'm getting the bees. Not hunting, uh, honey. <laughs> honey, yes, honey. Yeah, bees uh, Bees will be uh, active. They really have started just on a, a couple of warm days getting active, uh, but uh, swarm season will be upon us. And, you know, I really encourage anybody who sees a honeybee swarm, uh, which will generally just be a big ball of bees, won't be in a paper nest hive, a lot of folks kind of get that that incorrect uh, a ball of bees will just kind of be sitting out hanging out somewhere if you find one don't spray them call somebody get a hold of someone there's so many resources online on social media that you can reach out to and somebody may be interested in coming to get those and saving them from getting into somebody's house where they may be exterminated or uh, at least giving them a, a, a safe uh, place for them to to live so that they can uh, live out their lives and possibly benefit the community by being able to give back some honey and things like that absolutely 
Well, and the youth turkey hunt is next weekend. Are you looking at that as a possibility? I am looking at that as a possibility. I'd love to say that's going to be a go, uh, but there's there's a lot of questions yet, uh, travel and all kinds of things going on. It's just so many things shoved into a schedule when you've got so many weekends to work in a season. Yeah, and two kids. And two kids, that's right. <laughs> well, I'll be presenting a seminar this coming Monday night, uh, April 10th, at the Moose Lodge in Kenosha. That's a meeting of the Kenosha Sport Fishing and Conservation Association. The meeting starts at 7, and I hope folks can come on out and say hello. And I will post on my Facebook page the details on what I'm talking about and where it is. It's actually, I mentioned at the Moose Lodge there. And speaking of April 10th, that's the first day of the virtual Wisconsin Conservation Congress and DNR Spring Hearings. You were a member for a couple of years, I think. Uh, All voting is virtual now. And there's information on the DNR website under the keyword spring hearing. So check that out. And it's important for us to participate, even if we can't do it in person, isn't it? Yeah, it's absolutely important. I mean, these are uh, rules that will uh, affect uh, sometimes immediately be in effect, sometimes immediately after voting and and running through the process. Uh, Sometimes they will affect what we see uh, a generation to come. So uh, we're really, really important that you go and, and look and vote and educate yourself and get your voice known. Yep. Again, DNR website, keyword spring hearings, and the voting starts at noon on Monday and runs through noon on next Thursday, the 13th, I believe that is. Well, coming up, retired DNR wildlife technician Jeff Wilson. He was on the show a couple weeks ago. He returns now to tell us a story from his new book, Wrong Tree. We'll also learn about the Natural Resources Foundation's Great Wisconsin Birdathon going on now through June 15th, or going on April 15th through June 15th. And DNR Hunter Education Administrator Mike Weber shares some advice for a safe spring turkey hunt. All that and more coming up on Outdoors Radio. Flow has made world-class recreational and utility trailers for 40 years, and the industry-leading innovations keep on coming. Choose an all-aluminum UT model or Cargo Max, the only utility trailer with a molded polymer bed, integrated sides, and an engineered aluminum frame. With either one, you'll know you don't have just any old trailer. If a new trailer is on your mind, check out floeintl.com. Flow trailers, where the rubber meets the road. Are you looking for that perfect Northwoods destination for outdoor recreation? Florence County has over 200,000 acres of uncrowded public land with 160 plus miles of beautiful ATV UTV trails, many lakes and rivers to fish or paddle, seven wild river waterfalls to explore, horse trails with campgrounds, and friendly bars and restaurants. Go to exploreflorencecounty.com and plan your trip today. Introducing the all-new OutdoorNews.com, the most trusted source for all things out of doors in the Great Lakes region just got better. At OutdoorNews.com, you'll now have full access to every outdoor news story, breaking news and updates, our comprehensive fishing and hunting reports, pro tips, and much more for our seven-state region and beyond. Top hunters and anglers look to Outdoor News to keep them up to date and ahead of the crowd. Now it's easier than ever with the all-new OutdoorNews.com. Enjoy the ultimate shooting experience at the Range of Richfield, your one-stop shop for all shooters. 
Just north of the Richfield Cabela's store on Helson Drive, the range of Richfield offers 12 state-of-the-art 25-yard indoor shooting lanes for all pistol and common rifle loads. Classes in home defense, basic handgun and concealed carry, a retail shop, trophy mount display, and more in a welcoming, family-friendly setting. Open daily except Monday to the public and members. Your ultimate shooting experience, therangewi.com. For the nonprofit Ruffed Grouse Society, the well-being of the Ruffed Grouse and American Woodcock is a special priority. But the Society's conservation work benefits more than just these two game birds. The organization's programs help a long list of other young forest wildlife, including songbirds that must have thick, brushy habitat to survive. For more information about forest wildlife habitat management, contact the Ruffed Grouse Society toll-free at 888-JOIN. RGS. Welcome back to your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Thanks for joining us on Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. Recently, I spoke with Jeff Wilson and Terry Dalton, a husband and wife couple who wrote and illustrated a new book called Wrong Tree, and their website is wrongtreebook.com. And we asked Jeff to come back and tell us one of the stories from this book because it really is a fascinating history of his time as a wildlife technician in Wisconsin's woods and especially the north woods of Ashland and Iron Counties, working with bears and loons and ospreys and eagles and beavers and other critters like that. And then their travels around the world doing contract work for other biologists doing research. Lots of great stories, and Jeff joins us again. Jeff, thanks for taking time to join us again. My pleasure to be here, Dan. Why don't you pick a story that you like to tell, and without reading it, just tell us the story, one of the stories from your book. Be glad to. The story I thought I might tell is one I call A Bird in the Hand. This is about the mid-80s or early 80s. I'm stationed at Mercer as a wildlife tech. I work for a man named John Olson, who's the wildlife manager there. And we've been doing a lot of work to try to restore the endangered osprey at that time. We put up osprey platforms, which is nest habitat, and that helped a lot. Earlier than that, the government had banned DDT and organic chlorides. That was the real main flaw that, that brought back the population because they were definitely affected by these toxins. But John and my role was the platforms as well as we then nest site management plans and things like this. And we did flights to record productivity to some degree. But anyway, in the mid-80s, we get a call from a man named Don Fallon. And he said he'd like to ban some ospreys. And would we help him? And, boy, we just immediately got excited about that. You know, we were in our 30s, but it's kind of like when you take a kid to the frog pond, you know, and he hears the frog sing and maybe he sees him swimming. But place that frog in a child's hand, and it just starts magic. Well, we had that in us, too. And all of a sudden now, we were going to get to climb up a tree, and we were going to get to band an osprey. And Don wanted to collect this data because he wanted to learn some things about migration routes. Do our birds in Wisconsin go down to Central or South America? And do they come back? And, you know, we could learn this from marking birds with bands. So the day is coming about. And uh, like I said, we had climbed trees before. So Don's going to arrive. And Don has the master banding status from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service to place bands on. He's going to train us how to do this. So the day arrives. 
And prior to the day, John he kind of talks to me and he says, you know, Jeff, we've got to really impress Don. You know, we don't know this man. He's got some status in this, and he's a private vendor with all these certifications. We're to represent the DNR. So let's really make sure this looks professional. So Jeff, he says, kind of, you know, don't talk, ask too many questions. Um, let's just let Don do the talking, and let's really look good. And he says, in fact, let's wear our uniforms. You know, mm-hmm. the ones we give talks with that have the patch on the left-hand sleeve, so we really look pro. Well, the day arrives. We got our equipment up, and here comes Don. And John says, he'd drive the boat with the equipment, and I'd ride with Don. So I'm in the truck with Don, and here's Don. He's got a sweaty old T-shirt. He's got a beat-up ball cap, his long sideburns, his hair sticking out. He looks a really weathered skin. This guy's been out and walked the walk, so to speak. Yeah. And I'm immediately like this guy. Well, we get to the site. It's just out of Mercer. It's on Jay. It's called North Bass Lake. And at the landing, Don runs us through the protocol how to safely handle this endangered species, how to be so quiet, how to put the lock-on band on, how to handle a bird in the nest, what to do if you have a jumper. I patiently and John patiently listens to all this, and we look across the lake and we can see the bird on the platform. The adult's there, and she's got her wings out, she's brooding her young. And so we get in the boat and we head across. I'm driving the boat, Don's in the middle, John's in the front. We get to shore, and we don't say a word. John gets out, he ties up. We pass the gear up to Don, we lay it out on the bank, and then we, after we secure the boat, we get up, and John and I put on our climbing spikes and our climbing harnesses, and we attach the rope to John, and we head over to the tree, and up we start. And boy, I'm feeling pretty excited. I mean, this is it. We're going to finally get to handle on these birds. Well, hopefully two or three of them, depending on how many of the clutch is. Up we go, 10 feet, we're up 20 feet, 30 feet. And finally, you know, we get into a canopy of dense branches, so I can't see much ahead of me. Just see the rope going up, and I'm following the rope. It's our descending rope. It's attached to John. And we get to what I think is about 50 feet, not quite to the nest, and all of a sudden the rope stops. But I keep climbing, and I bump something. I look up, and I bumped John's rear end. (laughs) <laughs> and I thought, hmm, this is strange. So I look up, and John looks down. His face is ashen. He just looks horrified. I mean, something is not right here. So I kind of climb up closer, and I stick my neck out, and he sticks his neck down. And I say, what's the matter, John? And he looks at me in the eye, and then his ashen face turns to a big white grin, and he says, wrong tree. <laughs> All of a sudden, then, I look across, and there I can see... About 30 feet away is another tree, and there's that osprey in it. And here we are trying to look so professional to Don, and we look like total idiots. So down we go, one at a time. We get to the ground. John walks right over to the correct tree and starts up. And as I walk by Don, he says, what happened? I says, wrong tree. And he goes, oh, that's happened to me once, too. (laughs) Anyway, we went up the correct tree. We banded the birds. We descended out. We get in the boat, because we don't want to talk or anything on the ground under the birds, and we get about halfway across the lake, and all of a sudden, we all just broke into the incredible laughter. In fact, we laughed all day long. And I can tell you, Don Fallen became a very good friend. We've banded with him for years. We've actually banded now, I think, with Bruce Bacon, my next supervisor, close to 500 nestlings. We learned a lot of data 
on our birds. We put color bands on those birds to monitor their returns. But that episode was an example of just a fun day, a crazy thing that happened, and a lifetime friendship. Well, Jeff, that's a great story, and I remember reading that story, so I didn't want to give it away. I'm no psychologist, but my guess is that you two, and, and I, maybe all three of you, were letting out the tension of working with a new person and trying, like you said, trying to impress them, and then realizing that the important thing was getting the job done right, and it didn't matter what you dressed like, it mattered getting the birds banded and uh, doing the research work that had to be done. And, of course, the irony of the story also was that when we got back after that day of banding, um, our beautiful uniforms were covered in tree sap, <laughs> and it took, like, forever to get the sap out of them. So we didn't dress like that again. Back to the sweaty T-shirts then. You got it. Yeah. Well, folks, if you think that that was a humorous story, there are 50 or more equally funny stories and some rather harrowing adventures and some really exciting times that both Jeff and his wife, Terry, and the folks they worked with in the many years that they have done their research work and their field work for wildlife around the world, mostly here in Wisconsin, but around the world. And you can get a copy of this book, aptly named Wrong Tree, at wrongtreebook.com. Well, Jeff, thanks so much for telling us your story uh, in a recent show and then telling us this story so that folks get a flavor of your book here today. You're more than welcome, Dan, and appreciate the invitation. You bet. Jeff Wilson, author of Wrong Tree, website wrongtreebook.com. I'm Dan Small. You are listening to Outdoors Radio. Listen to more Outdoors Radio online at dansmalloutdoors.com. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Thanks for joining us on Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. Among the many projects of the Natural Resources Foundation of Wisconsin, one of the most popular is the Great Wisconsin Birdathon. You can learn more at wisconservation.org if you click on the Trips tab and scroll down to Birdathon. And now joining us to tell us all about this year's Birdathon are Somi Gadamidi and Kate Williamson. Somi is the Event and Donor Relations Coordinator, and Kate is the Director of Conservation Programs for the Foundation. Kate, welcome back, and Somi, glad to have you on the show. Thanks so much for having us, Dan. Yeah, we're happy to be here. And for listeners who might not have heard of the Natural Resources Foundation, Kate, tell us what it's all about statewide conservation organization that really focuses on Wisconsin. So we help protect our state's lands and waters and wildlife, and we do that through providing strategic funding, through leading partnerships, and connecting all people to nature, uh, with the Birdathon being such a great example of that. All right. Now, the Birdathon is not new. It started, gosh, about 10 years ago or so, didn't it? Yes. Yeah started in 2012 and has raised more than 800000 since that. So it's really awesome to see how it's grown. Before we get into the details of how it works, where does the money go? How is it used? So all the funding from the Birdathon goes into NRF's Bird Protection Fund, which is set up to support the highest priority 
priority bird conservation needs for Wisconsin's birds. So that includes each year a variety of projects that encompass habitat work here in Wisconsin, as well as in stopover sites and in overwintering sites for our migrating birds in Central and South America. It has different projects that, again, just really help address the greatest needs for Wisconsin's birds. All right. How does the Birdathon work? And it starts very soon, doesn't it? Yeah, so registration is open now at wibirdathon.org, and then teams go out birding from April 15th to June 15th. You register online and make a website and share with your family and friends to fundraise for important bird projects. And really how you go out birding is very flexible, and you can do whatever is best for you. So anywhere within Wisconsin. Some people go birding for the whole two months and some people do the typical counting how many bird species they see within a 24-hour period. You can go hiking along a whole birding hotspot route or even just have a sit in your backyard and see what birds come to you. Are you trying to send participants to specific places, or are you free to pick your own spots? Yeah, it's really flexible. You can go anywhere within Wisconsin. So some people do this in 24 hours, but that's not required. Like you say, some people do it for two months. That's that's a lot of birding. Yeah, we've been trying to celebrate the ways that Birdathon can be an accessible way for people to get out and bird. And a lot of people do the 24 hours, or not the full 24 hours, but a certain time frame within one day. We want to make it a fun, enjoyable way to participate. So if folks want to do a little bit here and there throughout the Birdathon time frame, which is April 15th through June 15th, that works too. Okay. Let's say I'm not an experienced birder. How does this actually work? What do I do? I'm also new to birding, I'll say, and there's really no experience level required. We're trying to get everyone out in the nature and connecting with birds, so I would suggest finding a team that's already registered, and you can reach out to them and see if they're willing to have you join, and then learning from those birders. There's a lot of great bird ID books at the libraries, a lot of resources on our website too, wibirdathon.org, to get involved with birding and the birdathon. We actually have quite a few teams, for example, from schools or youth groups who maybe aren't quite experienced birders yet, but we just really encourage people to get out and see what they can see. Try to identify birds because we are trying to count species on your birdathon day, not just for I guess self-described birders or bird experts, but really it's for everyone. Birds are such a great gateway for connecting to the outdoor world. We're hoping many people will join us in the Birdathon this year. Okay, and I'm on your website, wibirdathon.org, right now. How do we raise money with this? Is it the number of birds, the number of different species, or a combination? How does that work? After you register your team page or your individual page, Donations can be made either outright as a flat number or a lot of people pledge per bird species seen. You pledge that you're going to donate, say, $5 um, based on how many bird species that that individual sees during their birdathon day. Aha, uh-huh. okay. So if I have friends who are not birders but who want to help, can they pledge dollars based on the number of birds that I see or count? Yeah, of course. 
a lot of the fundraising comes from people supporting the birders and people who registered, but you don't need to be registered to participate. That's a really great way to get involved would also be to just support a birder who is registered and fundraising. Typically, how many people participate in this event? Uh, last year, we had more than 400 participants and 50 teams, and we're hoping to see more back this year. We already have 33 teams registered. Go out and register on wibirdathon.org. Now, is there competition with a prize for the, the team that, I don't know, sees the most birds or the greatest number of species, or is it just a friendly competition in that sense? We do like to recognize teams that have seen the most species or raised the most in kind of different categories that we can, but really it's, it's a pretty friendly competition. Just one fun example is been working with some of our partners like Pheasants Forever and Backcountry Hunters and Anglers, Rough Grouse Society, to try to see if we can get some friendly competition among some of those groups for Birdathon teams this year. In last year, my own team, so I captained the I'm with the Birds Millennial Falcons teams, and we ended up running into another team the same day at Pheasant Branch Conservancy, which is pretty fun. Definitely a lot of friendly competition happening. All right. How many birds did you guys recognize last year? I think we were just over 100 species wow. last year. Yeah. <laughs> a long day. Yeah, I guess. Before we let you go, there are other ways to contribute to the Natural Resources Foundation Anyone who buys a license, you mentioned uh, the Rough Grouse Society and Pheasants Forever. Those folks who are members of those organizations and a lot of listeners know that many of us buy our hunting and fishing licenses online, and there's always an opportunity to donate as much as you want, as little as $2 uh, or, you know, on up to the Natural Resources Foundation. And that would all help not specifically the birdathon cause, but that would help your work as well, wouldn't it? Yeah, so that's the Cherish Wisconsin Outdoors Fund, which, is, as you mentioned, Dan, supports public land habitat management, so certainly helping with habitat needs for our birds and many other wildlife species across the state. Yeah, that happens when you purchase your hunting or fishing license, and we're super grateful for the folks who do say yes, whether it's $2 or $5 or whatever amount you choose that all, you know, I think that's what's so amazing about the Cherish Fund is it all adds up from small contributions from folks and it has a really big impact on the ground in Wisconsin. Yes, it certainly does. Well, we're going to let you go here, but one last time, where can people sign up? How do they do it? You can sign up, learn more, make a donation at wibirdathon.org. And one more thing I'll mention is that organizational teams, nonprofits, bird clubs, and Wisconsin bird cities are also eligible to keep 50% of the funds they raise for their own organization and local bird conservation efforts. Last year, we put in over 22000 back into the communities through that option. Fantastic. So a team representing a locality or a nature center can actually raise some money to help birds in general, but also to help their own cause. Yeah, it's a really great way to get your staff involved. It's a lot of fun. So we'll hope you'll join us and sign up at wibirdathon.org. All right. Well, ladies, thank you so much. I uh, appreciate your sharing this information. I hope a lot of listeners decide to participate this year, and happy birding to you. Thank you so much. 
Thank you. You're quite welcome. That was Kate Williamson and Somi Gadamidi of the Natural Resources Foundation of Wisconsin talking about the Great Wisconsin Birdathon. You can learn more or sign up if you want to as an individual or as a team at wibirdathon.org. I'm Dan Small. You are listening to Outdoors Radio. Attention future hunters. Hunting season for turkey, small game, and deer is right around the corner. Don't wait to think about hunter education. The time to enroll is now. The Wisconsin DNR offers several options to choose from, making it easier than ever to enroll. Just browse for upcoming youth or adult hunter education classes at gowild.wi.gov and join the ranks of today's hunter education graduates who are ensuring the safe future of our hunting heritage. Classes fill up quickly, so don't wait. Enroll today. A message from Wisconsin DNR. Here's a message from our friends at Remy Battery in Milwaukee, Escanaba, and Houghton. We at Remy Battery Company want to thank all of our customers and friends we have made over the past 90-plus years and your continued support of our local, family-owned company. Stop in and see the expertise of over nine decades of battery knowledge and customer service. Let us take care of the batteries for all of your needs, from power tools to sump pumps and ATVs to hunting decoys, even down to the smallest hearing aids, big and small, we have them all. Stop in for a free battery and electrical check before you hit the road, trails, or waters. Don't forget to ask your sales representatives about volume pricing. Call Remy at 414-384-0340 or visit online at remybattery.com for all your battery and battery accessory needs. For the nonprofit Ruffed Grouse Society, the well-being of the Ruffed Grouse and American Woodcock is a special priority. But the Society's conservation work benefits more than just these two game birds. The organization's programs help a long list of other young forest wildlife, including songbirds that must have thick, brushy habitat to survive. For more information about forest wildlife habitat management, contact the Rough Grouse Society toll-free at 888-JOIN-RGS. Enjoy the ultimate shooting experience at the Range of Richfield, your one-stop shop for all shooters. Just north of the Richfield Cabela's store on Helson Drive, the Range of Richfield offers 12 state-of-the-art 25-yard indoor shooting lanes for all pistol and common rifle loads. Classes in home defense, basic handgun and concealed carry, a retail shop, trophy mount display, and more in a welcoming, family-friendly setting. Open daily except Monday to the public and members. Your ultimate shooting experience, therangewi.com. Welcome back to your source for the latest hunting and fishing information. Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. Thanks for joining us on Outdoors Radio. I'm Dan Small. Wisconsin's spring turkey season is coming up soon. In fact, the youth turkey hunt is next weekend, April 15th and 16th. And the first period of the regular spring season starts on Wednesday, April 19th. You can learn more at dnr.wi.gov. And joining us now to help us get ready for spring turkey hunting is Mike Weber. He's the Hunter Education Administrator for Wisconsin's Department of Natural Resources. Mike, thanks so much for joining us, and welcome to the Outdoors Radio Network. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate you having me on here today. Youth Turkey Hunt is next weekend, as I mentioned. Who can participate, and how does that work? Each year, our Youth Turkey Hunt, it gives hunters under the age of 16, so anyone 15 years of age or under, have the opportunity to get out there. It'd be the weekend prior to the regular turkey season, and 
it's the two days, so Saturday and Sunday, where they'd be able to go out and get some hands-on turkey hunting experience and attempt to harvest a turkey. They still have to have their spring turkey license stamp and ballot harvest authorization. That ballot harvest authorization can be good for any period, but again, it's a great way to get out there prior to the season and get some hands-on experience. Okay, and do they have to be accompanied by an adult? They would, yeah. Even if they had completed a hunter safety, they would still have to be accompanied by a qualified adult, so that'd be a person 18 years of age or older, and that adult is not able to accompany more than two youth hunters at a time during that mentor hunt. Okay, and they can find out more on the website I mentioned. Correct, yeah. If they go on the DNR website, they can type in youth turkey hunt. It should bring them to a page. Otherwise, we do have that DNR general customer service number that they'd be able to go on and search for and call as well if, if they have additional questions. All right. Well, let's talk about hunting safety. Now, turkey hunters, we all know this, wear camouflage, and they make sounds like turkeys, which is a scenario that you know could cause problems, especially if you have a case of mistaken identity. I looked at the reported shooting incidents for the last couple of years, and there were none last spring and only one in 2021, but they do happen occasionally. What advice have you got for turkey hunters? The biggest piece of advice that I would have for turkey hunters or any under that fact, and one of the biggest, I guess, lessons that you you learn through a, a hunter safety course is that acronym TAB K. When you follow those rules, so the T, treat every firearm as if it were loaded. A, always point your muzzle in a safe direction. B, be certain of your target, what is in front of it and what is beyond it. And the K, keep your finger outside of the trigger guard until you're ready to shoot. So it's obviously important that before a hunter goes out that they know these rules. And then obviously when they get out there that they're actually following and practicing these rules to be as safe as possible when they go out there. Now, in the heat of the moment, when a big buck walks out or a gobbler is strutting in front of you, sometimes we forget these rules. How can we remind ourselves to be safe all the time? One thing that I would always do and emphasize when I would give hunter education classes is that I would always remind students or anybody that, you know, no matter how excited you get or whether, like you say, you got a really big buck standing out in front of you or a turkey, When you fire, whether it's a shotgun for your turkey or a rifle for deer, you can never take that round back. That shot is fired and it's gone. Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure no matter what the circumstance is to breathe, always think of those rules and always be mindful of them prior to going out just to be as safe as possible. And then again, like I talked about before, you know, we always talk about these hunter education courses. Typically, there's a lot of youth getting into hunting that take these courses. But I always like to remind people, whether it's parents or maybe somebody that hasn't taken the course for, um, you know, a significant amount of years, it's never too late to put yourself through those courses again. So if you want a reminder of those safety methods and some of that great course information, we have a variety of options to go through those courses. Feel free to go to the DNR website and see the different options that we have because obviously those uh, those safety rules are super important and it's uh it's never too late to ever remind yourself of those important safety factors. Absolutely. A technique that has become more popular in recent years, and it has various names. Some people call it reaping or scooting or sneaking, and maybe some other names as well, involves hiding behind a decoy or a turkey fan and sneaking toward a gobbler. That's a great way to get yourself shot, it seems to me. I don't know what your take is on that practice. 
you know, obviously that method can be, like you said, very effective when going and, and attempting to harvest a bird. But again, just like you said, you know, you want to be aware there's other hunters that are that are on the landscape, and whether you're on private land, public land, you know, you can never assume that there's not another hunter out there. So you want to be as safe as possible when going out there, and it's important to ensure that other hunters definitely aren't mistaking you for a bird and that you would get yourself in one of those potentially dangerous situations. I've seen at least one of these devices that they sell now that has blaze orange patches on the wings or on the on the fan itself so that it would give another hunter pause I think before shooting at a gobbler creeping toward him but I don't think I'm ready to do it myself. (laughs) Yeah I know there's different safety methods online and besides that you know I think believe one of the safety methods that's listed under turkey safe hunting practices on the DNR website even includes, you know, just transporting decoys afield and, and carrying them kind of to cover it up. Because again, like we talked about, you definitely don't want to be mistaken for a turkey when you're out there. Yep, absolutely. Well, what about other folks? Because spring is here, there'll be hikers, birders, people looking for mushrooms. What advice have you got for non-turkey hunters and for turkey hunters as far as watching for other people? Well, like I said, just when you're out there, you know, if you're a turkey hunter, just the importance of being safe and aware, you know, always following those rules of of firearm safety, because obviously, you know, if you're following all those rules, um, you know, you're not going to have those hunting incidents occur. And then just like you said, I think it's really important for other people to be aware that this turkey season is occurring this spring when they're out there, whether they're parking along the road or going to hike along the trail and if they see you know potentially another vehicle or even if they don't just being mindful that yes this season is going on and they have the potential to be on the same piece of property as as a turkey hunter maybe at that time i used to do turkey hunting seminars years ago when the season was new here in wisconsin and one of the things we always talked about was don't wear red don't wear white, like a, a white T-shirt. Don't have just the V of your shirt open to, to show that white spot on your throat. Don't carry a red bandana. Don't even carry a red soda can or a, or an apple because you might be mistaken for a bird. But all of those things that we might do ourselves aren't going to guarantee that somebody else isn't going to be trigger happy or make a mistake. Yeah, for sure. I think being mindful when those people are out there and being weird, and, um, obviously, you know, you you definitely don't want to look like a turkey. So um, what you had said about those colors is very important. And then, again, to go back to it, just um, stressing the importance of those hunters to really follow those main rules of firearm safety and just the importance of identifying your target and know exactly what you're shooting at before you pull the trigger. I mean, that's so important. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it seems that the message is getting out there because there have only been a couple of incidents, and I think one of the recent ones a couple of years ago was a shooter shooting himself uh, accidentally in the foot, and another one, though, was somebody shooting at a person wearing a red jacket and mistaking the red flash of color for a turkey's head. But, again, those would not have happened if the people had been more careful and had followed those basic rules. Obviously, since hunter education came around in 1967, just the coursework has done a great job of overall reducing the amount of hunting incidents that occur in Wisconsin, and I always like to be mindful of putting it back on our instructors. I mean, our our volunteer instructors with those 
courses do a, a great job preparing our students for getting out there and keeping our public safe and promoting those safe hunting practices. They certainly do. Well, any other advice for hunters or others out there enjoying the spring activities before we let you go? Well, just obviously to be safe and follow those those four main rules of firearm safety um, when they're out there. Make sure to, to read over and understand the regulations. And obviously, if you do have any type of questions or concerns, feel free to go on the on the DNR website and get a contact where oftentimes, you know, you'll be directed to a, a local warden or something along those lines that can assist you with those questions. All right. Well, Mike, thank you so much for that advice, and we hope everyone has a safe turkey hunt this year and a safe time in the woods, whatever they're doing outside. Yeah, absolutely. Good luck, everybody, and be safe. All right. Mike Weber is the Hunter Education Administrator for the Wisconsin Department of Natural Resources. You can learn more about the things we've talked about on the DNR website, dnr.wi.gov. I'm Dan Small. You are listening to Outdoors Radio. Introducing the all-new OutdoorNews.com, the most trusted source for all things out of doors in the Great Lakes region just got better. At OutdoorNews.com, you'll now have full access to every outdoor news story, breaking news and updates, our comprehensive fishing and hunting reports, pro tips, and much more for our seven-state region and beyond. Top hunters and anglers look to Outdoor News to keep them up to date and ahead of the crowd. Now it's easier than ever with the all-new OutdoorNews.com. Step outside, let us be your guide. Florence County, Wisconsin. Are you looking for that perfect Northwoods destination for outdoor recreation? Florence County has over 200,000 acres of uncrowded public land with 160 plus miles of beautiful ATV UTV trails, many lakes and rivers to fish or paddle, seven wild river waterfalls to explore, horse trails with campgrounds, and friendly bars and restaurants. Go to exploreflorencecounty.com and plan your trip today. Flow has made world-class recreational and utility trailers for 40 years, and the industry-leading innovations keep on coming. Choose an all-aluminum UT model or Cargo Max, the only utility trailer with a molded polymer bed, integrated sides, and an engineered aluminum frame. With either one, you'll know you don't have just any old trailer. If a new trailer is on your mind, check out floeintl.com. Flow trailers, where the rubber meets the road. If your rifle, shotgun, handgun, or muzzleloader needs work this season, call Roger Williams at Northern Magnetic, LLC. A licensed professional gunsmith for over 35 years, Roger can repair, customize, rebarrel, install sights and scope mounts, and more on all firearms, makes, and models. When you need a professional gunsmith, call Roger at 262-339-1798 or visit FixGuns.com. That's 262-339-1798 or FixGuns.com. The Midwest's largest fishing website, lake-link.com, is your online fishing resource. 90% of Lake Link's features are yours to use free of charge. And members get access to Lake Link's online lake map library, lets you get GPS coordinates of any spot on the lake, and export waypoints to your onboard electronics. Members also get free outdoor classified ads, discounts on online store merchandise, and a whole lot more. You can also listen to Outdoors Radio 24-7 on Lake Link. Listen to this week's show... Catch any of our past shows, subscribe to our podcast, or even sign up for our weekly e-newsletter so you'll know in advance what's coming up right here. Just type in the keyword radio. See what you've been missing. Log on to lake-link.com today. That's lake-link.com. Welcome back to Outdoors Radio with Dan Small. 
Welcome back to Outdoors Radio. I'm Jeff Kelm. We're brought to you by Cedar Lake Sales on Highway 33 West in West Bend on the web at cedarlakesales.com. And their launch into summer event is going on right now. Uh, final day here this Saturday for most uh, most of our listeners. That's today. They'll have the Coast Guard personnel out on hand May 13th for boat safety checks if you want to get involved in that. You can check out everything that they got going on on their website or their Facebook page. We're also brought to you by Ducks Unlimited. Find out about their upcoming DU Expo at duckexpo.com. And by the Wisconsin DNR Hunter Education Program. Want to go hunting? Sign up for hunter education or learn to hunt classes at dnr.wi.gov. And if our TV show Outdoor Wisconsin is not airing where you live, you can always watch past episodes at milwaukeepbs.org. And our Deer Hunt Wisconsin show from last year and the last several years is archived on the Deer Hunt Wisconsin TV YouTube channel. And anything that uh, you want to uh, to listen to from this radio show, you want to share it with friends and family, or heard something cool you want to want others to hear, you can find it online all the time. Go to lake-link.com, go to the Outdoor Radio tab, and uh, they will uh, they archive our show, this show, past shows up till uh, about a year ago. We'll have uh, all those shows in there, and you can download them, take them with you, share them with your friends and family. You can find Dan on social media throughout the week at Dan Small Outdoors. Find me at Hardwater Jeff. There's a new report from the nonpartisan Wisconsin Policy Forum, and it's actually nice to see something nonpartisan these days because everything seems to be so polarized. It's called This Land is Our Land. It traces the history of conservation funding in Wisconsin. A lot of statistics and articles about who pays for conservation, and you and most listeners know that we pay for it. Uh, it makes some eye-opening comparisons uh, with what's going on in other states. And you can check it out online at wispolicyforum.org. That's wispolicyforum.org. And if you've ever thought about becoming a conservation warden, the DNR is looking for new recruits. The application period starts on Monday, runs through May 4th. There's a live webinar next Tuesday, April 11th at 6 p.m., you can learn more on the DNR website. Keywords are Warden Recruitment. Remember, I'll be speaking in Kenosha Monday night. Details on my Facebook page. And don't forget to vote in the Conservation Congress Spring Wildlife Hearings on the DNR website. Information there. Keywords Spring Hearings. Our theme music is by Warren Nelson. He's got a gig coming up Saturday, next Saturday, April 15th at 7 p.m. at the Harbor View in Washburn for more information. Visit warrennelson.com. I'm Dan Small here with Jeff Kelm. Get outside this weekend and be sure to join us again next week for Outdoors Radio. Oh, how I love leaving the shore. When the cool night swallows, the moose's nose, and the heron is fishing on one cold leg when the loon cries lover in the blue north wind I'll be trolling home to you when my wrist gets a little chilly on the gunnel When my lazy Ike is just 
too lazy to lure. When the worms go dry in the coffee can, honey, I'll be true. 